The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. Week 10 college football edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, all the college knowledge. Brad Powers. In front of me, he's an NFL expert wading into college waters. Steve Fezzik. And Ken Thompson, his 39th straight day with no sleeves, no sleeves. I'm RJ Bell. Guys, this is unlike any show we've had. Why? We love action, the green button. We got three two-on-one. I like to call them the Malachi Crunch. Two pros on one team. One pro, either foolish or brave, on the other. We're going to start with one Malachi Crunch. In the middle, have a Malachi Crunch. Then have a Malachi Crunch before the best bets. Then we got best bets, including from Dave Asler. How in the heck do you do better than that? You don't. But first, every week, and we're going to do it a little different this week. We're going to hear everyone last week's results and their season to date in the colleges. Hi, I'm Brad Powers. I was up $300 last week. And for the season, I am up $680. Hi, I'm Steve Fezzik. I was 1-0 plus $200 last week, but I'm still at 10-9 down $650 for the year. Uh, and I'm Ken Thompson. Last week, minus $300, but for the season, still a positive $180. i am RJ Bell, down 200 last week. Down $10 on the season. Now listen, I feel pretty proud. I mean, I know about as much about college as I know about, let's say, uh, powerlifting. <laughs> you know, six, or, or, you know, in those men's magazines where it goes like six pack that you got a six pack. Do you want an eight pack? It's about my knowledge on college. <laughs> and somehow I'm even, e- well, we'll call minus 10. And I'm going to at least make one bet this week. Showtime! Woo! All right. It's our first Malachi Cruncher, Kentucky, Georgia. Right now, our line, Georgia favored by nine and a half. That's on the road, right, Brad? Yep. And what do we got? We got Brad and Ken, experts in college on one side, and Fezzy Wezzy all by himself on the other. Certainly with some inside info. Not inside info, but syndicate info. No, Fez, this is just you. Oh, wow. There's your bet. <laughs> what? Coming in a little naked this week, RJ. Oh, my gosh. He showed weakness. Not a good thing. Let's let Ken start. 
I'm not going to let uh, RJ's relationship with Mark Stoops steer me again, <laughs> away from betting on against Kentucky again. And I've I've got burned by this team several times this year. Did catch him once by a hook against Texas A&M. And look, I give him a lot of respect record-wise, but I just don't see it. I got to give credit, though, to Terry Wilson because he had his best passing game of the year coming off his worst passing game of the year. And they were able to come back and beat Missouri on the last play, 15-14. But Georgia was who I thought they were. And there wasn't many people that I talked to that agreed with me as far as Georgia taking on Florida in that cocktail party game. And I was all over Georgia, and they came up big, and that offense was as prolific as I thought they were for four quarters. Look, the LSU game, I had said, they turned it over four times. Fake field goal didn't work out. And so that score, I thought, was rather deceiving. I I thought we saw the Jake Fromm that I thought we would see throughout the season. And uh, he came up good. The running game was good. The defense was very good. And uh, this Georgia team, to me, is definitely a top four team and they played very very well now going to kentucky here's the thing again if kentucky can get the lead early the crowd's going to get into it and they're going to try to shorten the game it's what they do if georgia can somehow get that first score even string together sometime in the game two consecutive scores i think kentucky again will have trouble playing catch up and that's where i think georgia may be able to take care of business and expand on that lead i expect kentucky to win this game by better than two touchdowns i'm sorry georgia i expect georgia to win this game by better than two touchdowns sorry about that ken on georgia brad you're on georgia you like them yeah i do like georgia but to me it's more of a play against kentucky here here's a kentucky team that i think is one of the most overrated teams in the country here's the team that kentucky number 11 in the ap power ratings right now ap poll this week i only have kentucky number 24 in my power ratings. why if you look at turnovers you look at close wins you look at yards this is a kentucky team that's yeah seven and one is their record probably more like a four and four five and three team i'm very four, four and four yeah so go, looking uh, go through go through the schedule and tell me the scenario that Kentucky loses three additional games. All right. And why don't we let Faz, we'll let you jump in here and give your handicap. Kentucky in a solid home underdog momentum situation <laughs> off of a one. It, it's one of my favorites. It's one of the pro wise guy favorites. Uh-huh. They love a team when you pull that upset on the road, and then you, if you go on the road again, you tend to get crushed. There's a limited amount of energy, but when you come home, your home field advantage increases. The crowd gets behind P- the plus, team. Plus, correct me if I'm wrong. This is pretty much a playing game for the SEC champion. It is. It is. This is the biggest game in a generation for Kentucky football. And Brad keeps talking. And he's right. There's been Kentucky's been fortunate in many games. They were not fortunate winning that game in Missouri. They completely outplayed Missouri. They were fortunate to get the win, but it was only after they dominated in the stats. They outgained Missouri by 150 yards, yards per play. Kentucky seven and a half. Missouri six point four. I don't know how you can gain six, seven and a half yards per play and only get 15 points. I love the spot for Kentucky, and I also don't like the fact that Georgia just got a blowout win basically on the road at a neutral site close to home, but it wasn't their home stadium, and they were plus three in turnovers in that game, so a misleading final against Florida. Bold statement, Kentucky wins the game outright. Wow. And if Kentucky wins, they are going to Atlanta to represent the East in the championship game. You're right, RJ. Four and four this week. <laughs> Five and three at worst. More like a six and two type of team. Uh, so now, you're saying they're off one win. Yeah, they're probably off one win. Mid two at so most. So what's your handicap? My handicap is this. I, I still think a Kentucky team that is very limited offensively. What is Georgia going to do defensively? They're going to make Kentucky one-dimensional. 
And Terry Wilson, the quarterback for Kentucky, yes, he's off that good game last week. He was still benched for a couple series in that game because Kentucky's offense was struggling so much. I think Georgia makes Kentucky one-dimensional, makes Terry Wilson beat him over the top. He can't do that against the Bulldogs. Give me Georgia minus nine and a half. Hmm. All right. Here's my thoughts, and we'll let everyone have one closing concept. Here's what I know about Mark Stoops. He is like a Tomlin when it comes to player relationships, when it comes to not being a, a, a highest level detail guy. I mean, he's got more detail than the, the milkman, right? I'm not saying he's disorganized. I'm saying relative to a Belichick, to a Saban. He's not competing with organizational skills. But he's young enough and he's passionate enough that the players still connect with him. And to me, I want him where the emotion is potentially going to affect his team the most. Because I think Kentucky's a very positive emotion team. And if it's a flat spot, they're going to be more susceptible like the Steelers. I think some of these close games, or at least one of them that, you know, they've been a dog. I mean, how many games have they been favored in Kentucky? Oh, wow. Only against Central Michigan, Murray State, and Vanderbilt. That's it. And in every other game, they've, they've been, been dogs. A dog. I, so to me, it's almost like this feels like the calm, almost like in major league, right? Where they're winning, they're winning, they're winning. And then there's like, oh, this is the culmination. And to me, that that feeds into the Stoops approach. And I mean, that's crowd's going to be going wild, right? Absolutely. I mean, is this, this is going to be like on all the right moves. Remember Ampipe, I think was the school they were playing. You, you ever see this? I've seen it, but that's been Tom Cruise. Yep. And it's like the whole week. It's like the, you know, they were on the road, but it's like turn off your know, last person out of town, turn off the lights kind of thing. I, I can't believe we're not going to get max motivation. I'm not going to buck you two, Ken and Brad, but I'm certainly not bucking stoops in an emotional role. Here's what I'll say. And I'd like to get you guys a thought and then any closing thoughts. If you like, Kentucky, I think you look at the money line. Not because it's such a good bet, but because if they, they feel like Jacksonville to me, if they get behind by 21, this team's not coming totally back. Totally agree. Right? So I would rather a pleaser, you know, like if I could give them seven and, and, and get a nice pay, you know, uh, only get, uh, you know, seven, you know, minus set or seven less with the underdog. I think I would take that. You know, obviously it's a longer shot with the money line. And but on the other hand, is there any team in the country that's going to be more confident if they got like a third and nine on the nine in overtime, losing by three, you know, or you know, some scenario where they it feels like they're less than fifty percent, but they're gonna look around and say, We've been in how many times have they been in a spot late in the second half down, you know, at less than 50% to win the game. Three, four times already this season. So you got the fact that Kentucky doesn't play well from behind. And, I mean, either Georgia's going to be able to score on them, and if so, this game's a blowout. Or if they're not, this is going to be a close game. So, like, really, why why need so many points here? Huh. You know, so what would it be? So... Fez, right now the money line is Kentucky plus 300. What would the pleaser be that got, like, I would love to be plus four, right? Like, what would I be getting? I mean, I, I, I guess you could sell, you, you could sell them points at some places, plus, right? Plus four, plus what, 175? Or, or you want to go ahead and lay four with 
Kentucky. No, no, no. I want to be plus. I want to give back some of my points, but not a ton of. I them. think probably alternative line be like plus four, plus one eighty, somewhere around there. Yeah. See, to me, and again, that's me being a little too conservative because, in a weird way, if you know it's going to be a close game, if that plus four is going to matter, don't you feel like a very battle-tested Kentucky is better than Georgia? Right, because they certainly haven't been battle tested. No, they haven't been involved in a close game all year. And the only game that was arguably close when it was nine to nineteen against LSU, I still remember all the Georgia players putting up their fingers like, "Oh, fourth quarter is our time." I've never seen such a lack of confidence in a team putting up their fingers. Oh, it's the fourth quarter. Uh, they did not look like they wanted to play a close game. So, Brad, if you were forced to bet Kentucky, would you want them on the spread or the money line? Mm. Yeah, wow. I'll take him on the spread. I'm more conservative than you, though. What do you think, Ken? No, I I would definitely take the money line. I I agree with you. I think the team that we saw last week offensively for four quarters in Georgia against a good Florida defense is the team that I expect to be in the playoff at the end of the year. And uh, I think Fromm and the guys got punched in the mouth at LSU. And so that going on the road and getting dominated early and missing, again, turning it over four times, but missing out on what they thought was a cute little fake field goal. I think they learned something from going to a very hostile environment because they know Lexington is going to be hostile. And if they can just play their game and open things up, I think they're going to be able to take advantage. I I do think that the dog in the under parlay or the Mm. favorite to the over parlay have some severe correlation here. I think Kentucky's going to get around 20 points, 17 points. The big question is how many is Georgia going to get? Yeah, I'm not sold that Kentucky will score if Georgia blows. I could see this game being 35-7, you know, somewhere like that because Kentucky has trouble scoring and Georgia's not just going to trade points with them. Yeah, and, and, you know, when there's a correlation, it's never 100%. The question is, is the total 55%? And I think it is here too. Here's my last thought. And this is a phenomenon I talk about all the time. And this is a big game. So obviously we're talking about it a little bit more. Is the idea that if a team goes against the narrative entering the season, as soon as something contradicts that, it's like, oh, see, that's what. So it was like this, like Notre Dame. When they finally lose a game, Brad's going to come in. He's not going to be thinking, well, he's stuck now because he's got that one loss bet with us. But we'll talk about that once they lose the first game more. But it's going to be, see, I told you those guys are overrated. Miami of Florida last year. Remember, we totally reversed to Miami. And then we said, oh, RJ, we told you that Miami team was no good. And to me, Georgia came in as, oh, my gosh, they're the only team that can compete with Alabama. And then after they lost, it was like, to LSU, it was like, what did we know about that Georgia team? Nothing. And then they win one game. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, see, see, second best team in the country or third best team in the country. I just think that what is the, if I, if this was, were a quarter long, really, which it is in a way, we're trying to decide the truth. What's your evidence that Georgia's any good? But RJ, see, here's the thing: it, it was the it wasn't just one win; it was a win against the team that beat them. LSU was the team that beat them, but Florida beat LSU, and so Georgia punching Florida like that, saying like, "Okay, yeah, we went into LSU, we got beat, we turned it over four times, we screwed up on a fake field goal. Now our backs against the wall. We're coming off a bye, and we're focused for the rest of the year." And they took it to Florida in what used to be a one-sided rivalry for a long time, Florida's favor. But over the last several years, Georgia's kind of even things out. See, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. 
Uh, Fez is right. That uh, blowout win against Florida wasn't such a blowout. Plus three turnovers, and all four yeah, but, of Georgia's touchdowns came on third down. Okay, Those so then LSU, point plays. But if LSU got four turnovers against Georgia, how is that a blowout? But then this isn't. Well, I mean, maybe when they're, the they're both around the same. And that's what I'm saying. When do turnovers matter for both teams? You can't have it one way. Georgia turns it over four times to LSU, but wait, Florida turns it over three times to Georgia, so we're not going to count But the that. point is, do we still really know how good L- uh, Georgia is? I that's do. The, I, I, I think I do. I think they're a final four team. And I'll put my money right, up so, on that. So, Ken, let me, I'm going to make you an offer. Okay. Um, we go no vig here. Okay. The money line is plus 300 minus 360. Split the difference plus 330 and I'll give you a hundred hundred dollars to win 330 no i don't want to do money line i'm doing i'm laying the points because i know okay. if georgia wins yeah. they're going to blow them out that's i mean i understand you're that's why my hand that's why so sharp. Yes, that no but it that's why I, you asked me if i agreed yeah. with you as yeah. far as right. and i did brad you don't want it no i don't want it all right hell no you know something this brings up another point and we're going to talk about this in the nfl pod but it's like if we as the sharps and I'm putting it in quotes because obviously no one or no one here is sharp all the time. Maybe there's some guy we've never met that never makes a mistake, right? But <laughs> I mean, Malensky worked for Billy Walters for a lot of years and he sat in the crossfire of these pods for two years. And, you know, we, uh, Faz, you certainly held your own in the NFL. So I think this is about as high as it gets. It feels like when, like in the 49ers game, we thought, okay, everyone's going to underrate San Fran because they lost that game against Arizona. But really, they were minus five in turnovers. They should have won. But but then the line came out, pick them, and it was like, well, where's that? It was, but in our head, we still thought, and then it got bet up to three. And obviously, we weren't going to lay three. I'm just wondering if Kentucky was four and five, or what's the record? Seven and one. All right. So if they were three and five. And we were like, this is their bowl game. And they're going to come in. And like, we're coming at the other. We're like, we're trying to be extra sharp where the, the, uh, Freddie Fanny Packs just said, how in the heck is Georgia only favored by at? We'll be like, they're at home. They're super motivated. Kentucky. It feels like the, you know, the fact that Kentucky's won some games where it feels like they shouldn't have, though I'm not even sure. I mean, they were just coin flips more than they shouldn't have won. Yeah, I agree. With right. That. But what would this line be if Kentucky were, you know, were three and five, but they were like this good, meaning, meaning that they just lost every coin flip? 14. Would it? Because I, I mean, all the time it feels like that, that, like the line's crazy short because the wise guys decided there's extra value on the team that it's not obvious. And in this case, the wise guys decided, though the game did open 12 and it's down to nine and a half, the wise guys decided in this case that, oh, Kentucky's fraudulent. Thus, we're going to fade them without real regard to the value associated with the power rankings. Hmm. What does your pure power ranking say, Brad? About nine and a half. Here. So how can you think Georgia has any situational edge? Boy, that's interesting. Your power rankings are saying this is the correct line. Where is the situational edge? Full disclosure, uh, we got to have five or six likes on a podcast. This was a lean turned into a like. One of the last What's ones Kentucky's in. home field advantage in your numbers? Well, actually, Kentucky's one of the worst home teams historically in college football. Like if you go back 20, 30 years, they're like 40%. But obviously, you throw that out the window with it being the biggest home game in school history. Exactly, because Kentucky's the sort of place. I actually knew someone who went to Kentucky, and he said that when 
he would go to any other SEC venue like Auburn. They'd like pelt him with eggs and stuff. And when they were hosting a game, people would come in. They'd be like, play well, do well, have a great day. You know, that was kind of the, the normal Kentucky football attitude. Like, hey, this is just a distraction until basketball season starts. I think that whole idea and atmosphere changes this year. All right. So we're wrapping this get great discussion. Let it. So we got. The, we, well, I mean, a few things that are real simple here. One, full disclosure. First of all, you need five likes. Don't act like yeah. six. Okay. <laughs> full disclosure is we got two cross, we got two bats. Fez against Brad. Fez against Ken. A victim of the infamous Malachi Crunch. We'll see and let it be known for the record that I try to offer both of the Georgia guys, a no vig like anything else in the money line, said RJ, too sharp. Next game, Iowa, Purdue. Purdue favored by three at home. And Brad, you like this game. Yeah, I like Iowa here, plus three. A little surprised the Hawkeyes are catching a full field goal here. And Iowa traditionally has been one of the better teams on the road in college football. Last five years, 19 covers, seven non-covers, and two pushes. 19-7-2. and two. The Hawkeyes, and it makes some sense. Not a lot of high variance for Iowa when they go on the road. They run the football. They don't turn the football over too much, Iowa, and they play great defense. That's pretty much summing up Iowa football for the last five or six years. Uh, you know, The question is, how much does either team have left in the tank? This is a must-win here for both Iowa and Purdue if they want to remain in the Big Ten West race here. Uh, I just trust the Hawkeyes a lot more than I do Purdue, who obviously... I took advantage of Ken Thompson with Purdue last week. <laughs> you know something? I just took a picture of Ken. This might be the most intimidating handicapping thing I've ever seen. Ken's got his 23-inch arms. He's got tattoos from who knows what country. How many separate tattoos do you have? Uh, four. That, it looks like more than that. <laughs> and he has, what, like 30 separate pieces of paper? On his table, you're looking at me, Fez. It's right there. I mean, I mean, this is insane. And he just looks like he is ready. Like if he were, if he were handicapping for his soul, remember the old Crossroads? There was a movie Ralph Macchio was in Crossroads. He was an old blues singer in the eighties, but Ralph Macchio was a kid that loved Robert Johnson. So he met this old blues man that sold his soul to the devil. And then he, they were driving around the country trying to get his soul back. And finally, at the end, Ralph Macchio, the karate kid, had to uh, cut. They called it uh, uh, cut cutting on Saturday night where they'd have a guitar off. And it was Steve Vai, who's a famous guitarist back in the 80s. You remember him? Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen Crossroads? I have not. Oh, and. <laughs> but I want us to go see it right yeah, now. That's, yeah. I was actually watching. I actually got a sound drop from Because when I, you think of the Charlie Daniels, you know, Devil it, Down to Georgia, same type thing. Yeah. And the, the famous Clapton song, Crossroads, is a Robert Johnson song. I went down to the crossroads and dropped down on my knees. It's, it, the old thing was I sold my soul to the devil to be such a great guitarist. Well, in the movie, Machio had to play against Steve Vai for his soul. <laughs> now, if Ken were handicapping for his soul, this is what it would look like. Like, could he be any more prepared? No. No. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send this out on our pregame Twitter accounts. If you want to see this Wednesday AM, I'll do it overnight. It's simple at pregame, P-R-E-G-A-M-E. I'm going to send out Ken. And you guys are never, ever going to get mouthy with Ken 
<laughs> on Twitter once you see how serious he is. And plus, there's 23-inch arms. All right, Ken, you passed this game. Fez, you passed. Fez, you were talking about the Iowa quarterback. What Did you mention that? No, I didn't. So what are you seeing, Fez? Injured thumb. Don't know if he's going to be 100%, right? And that might explain, fully explain why. Uh, obviously, they're catching full three points there. Although, I yeah, mean, but he, he was probable, right? He was probably yeah, early probably in the week. So, so the assumption is a little bang. So yeah. not a question as in, is he going to play as much? But is he going to be 100%? He didn't look great at the end of that game against Penn State, throwing that awful uh, pick in the end zone. Mm. Remember, guys, this brings up a great point. And I talked about this on our Straight Out of Vegas weekend edition. Actually, we used to do weekends. Now we've got it 11 to 12 Pacific on Saturday night. 11 to 12 Pacific, 11 to midnight. And we do a one hour best of the weekly show, which is every weekday, six to seven Eastern. Bernie Fratto, a Vegas radio guy, hosts it. I, I've been in some weeks and I will be in others. Something to check out. But this is what I said. You know, the old saying in rounders, which is if you don't know who the sucker is within five minutes, you're the sucker, right? At the table. Well, this is a variation of that, which is if you can't explain why you're getting value on a game. Oh, they're underrating this quarterback who is better than people think. Or, boy, the matchup so favors Seattle because they can run and Detroit can't stop the run. Unless you have a reason. And another reason could be public bias. Oh, the public's crazy for Kansas City, but I'm fading them. If you can't explain the number... That means you're probably missing something. And Brad, you pretty much came in. And again, you do as much work as anybody, but everyone's going to miss something at some yep. point. It's only Tuesday, yep. right? And I read nine newspapers a day. And even so, you were like, man, this seems like a lot of value. And then collective IQ, hey, maybe this quarterback's 5% off and thus it makes sense. Yep. Well, to me, RJ, it's like I is a slower team, but they're a physical team. And the physicality of Michigan State affected Blau in the pocket last week. He made mistakes. Purdue has, it's like having a great thoroughbred and he doesn't get off the line in time. And by the time he gets going, the race is already over. And that reminded me of Purdue last week. They've got guys that should be able to exploit the slow secondary of Iowa, but the Iowa also 26 sacks on the year. So Blau better be careful. So Fez, that's Ken Thompson. Fez is last thing on this game. When when do you ever bet a game that you think there's value, but you don't understand why? Or do you agree with me? If you can't identify what you're fading, it scares you. If it's the end of the week, it scares me. If it's against an opener, oftentimes I've been one to say, oh, yeah, these yeah. guys are just idiots. They have no idea what they're doing, especially in a sport I specialize in. No, no, I agree with that. But if it comes game day... And you don't understand the line. And I'm worried. Yeah. And again, that's why I didn't bet Carolina. I love, I mean, I thought that Carolina line last week against Baltimore didn't make any sense, but it was like, it didn't make sense. I stayed away. But again, now I might say, oh, I lost a winner, but you add them up. Oh, you didn't lose a winner against Matty Hold on the NFL pod. Oh, I did bet. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. We yeah. three on one them on yeah. that one. <laughs> and to be fair, you know, when we were doing our super contest picks, we saw that line heading towards three, and we didn't even consider laying two with Baltimore for line value. That wasn't even part of – it didn't even make our top eight in terms of that's games. That's true. So play. it keeps you – that's an interesting point. I wouldn't – yeah, that's a good point, Fez. Um, all right, let's keep going. Double like. Missouri. Florida. Florida favored by 
Six, Faz, you like Florida. I like Florida. It's all about two deceptive finals. So Florida minus three in turnovers gets blown out last week. Missouri gets outgained by 150 yards and they almost beat Kentucky. So Missouri did better on the scoreboard than the stats say they should have last week. And Florida did much worse on the scoreboard than the stats say. Thus, Florida a little undervalued, Missouri a little overvalued. I like Florida. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head as far as the handicap here, Fez. But in addition to that, Drew Locke, quarterback, Missouri. I continue to say it. When he plays a good team or a good defense, and Florida's a good team in the top 25, has a good defense, you want to fade Drew Locke. When he started up against top 25 teams, he's 0-9 in his career. He has a negative touchdown-interception ratio against Power 5 Bowl teams. Against everybody else, he looks like Tom Brady. 64 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Against these good teams, that offense doesn't work, especially this year with a new offense coordinator, Derek Dooley. A lot of struggles on that side of the ball. I like Florida. So, Ken, you agree, but you only lean. So my question is, what's stopping you from liking Florida? It's just the inconsistency of Franks, the quarterback. I mean, they they should take care of business, but and let's face it, Missouri can't win in the SEC right now. I mean, and I think it's psychological. And coming off that last second loss to Kentucky at home, I think that's just going to add fuel to the fire. But I know they're going to be hungry, and Florida's offense is inconsistent, so I stayed away. But you know, these guys probably uh, probably will end up putting me over the top. I'll end up playing Florida. The negative I see, RJ, is you know what's Florida's motivation? They're out of the SEC. It's just Kentucky and Georgia, winner take all. Florida's now all their hopes as far as getting to Atlanta, possibly getting to the playoffs. That's all gone by the wayside. So that would be my only concern. But with the dream crusher, the question is, what was Florida's dream? And not that they didn't start dreaming on it, but what was their dream before the season? I think to get to Atlanta. They were feeling that at least last week against Georgia. No question. Do you really want to go to Atlanta and get smashed by Alabama? You do. You never know what's going to happen. Because really, think about it. How many college basketball games do you remember in the last 40 years, Fez. I mean, where you like got it, where it's in, you're going to remember them in 10 years from now, right? It's Villanova, Georgetown, NC NC State, State. Houston. I mean, those kind of, you know, it's, you know, I mean, listen, there's a reason. Georgetown. I mean, listen, there's a reason that this is such a great movie. I got to tell you, it's just occurred to me what the student body has been chanting for the last two or three minutes. It's the name I mean, I know, Brad, you don't like Rudy. I was there when they filmed that. <laughs> I know somehow. Yeah. I keep asking you, who hurt you? We'll find out. We'll and I, I actually did a radio show with Bob Golick for four years. Bob, Mike's older brother. Bob was on the field when Rudy made that tackle against Georgia Tech at the end of the game. Huh. I, so to me, it's like you just got a chance to do something amazing. Right? And if you do, you, you're in the playoffs. But again, I'm not I'm not the one getting my head kicked in either. <laughs> Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Oklahoma favored by 13 and a half. Fast coming strong. You like Boomer Sooner. I am with Haystack again. I like Oklahoma again. They just pounded Kansas State. Hey, I think this all comes down to one game. Oklahoma's offense is freaking amazing, but because they somehow only scored 21 points against Army, the markets keep consistently undervaluing this juggernaut. They scored 45 points in every game but that Army game, and the reason they didn't score points against Army is because Army gained 
literally four yards a play, and they had like four drives that lasted 10 minutes each, and that wasn't a game that lasted uh, 60 minutes, RJ. It was like a game that lasted seven possessions each. Aberration, take it off the schedule, and all of a sudden Oklahoma's power rating. Out of the data. Out of the data, Oklahoma's power rating goes up four points, and those stats are skewing the power rating on Oklahoma. You two disagreed. Fezzik had Oklahoma. Brad, you had K-State last yeah. week. Mm. And a new friend of the show. Now, this dude's... Sti- I mean, Ken seems... You know, he's a combustible. Is that fair to say, Ken? Yeah, that's good. Good call. Yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> and But this dude has no logic. Ken's an extremely bright guy that can be emotional, right? But this dude, hey, stack Hank... There's no intelligence to it. He's just pure aggression. And, oh, wait a minute. Here he is. Hey, Stack, what do you think of Oklahoma? I love them Sooners. Let me tell you something about Fez. Fez, you, you mentioned a bunch of numbers about Oklahoma. Forget numbers. I bet teams. That's the difference between you and me. You're about numbers. I'm about teams. And let me tell you about this team, Oklahoma. 700 yards last week. Trust. I told everybody, forget that spread. They're going to win by six touchdowns. What they win? 51-14. I put money in my pocket. I got a W. I'm going to get another W this week. Are you kidding me? Oklahoma going to roll. Boomer Sooner over Texas Tech, 13 points. Are you kidding me? They're going to win this game by four touchdowns. Now that is a sharp <laughs> So you you and Haystack. I, we, we're together. And also, you failed to mention Haystack. Oklahoma he, he's beat. Go, he's gone. Okay, Oklahoma beat. If, he's, if his music's not playing, he's, right, he's not here. Oklahoma beat Iowa State by 10. Last I checked, that game was on the road. And last I checked, that was the Iowa State team that just took care of business against this Texas Tech team. Is that what he felt like he had to follow up Haystack? Yeah. Do it all. Just do that whole thing again. We won't cut it because we don't add it. Oklahoma handled Iowa State at Iowa State. They won by 10. Very difficult place to play. Well, Iowa State, comparable game, played Texas Tech, and Iowa State won that game and covered. So by the cumulative property of handicapping, all right, little square, Oklahoma, much, much better performance. And thus they're laying almost two touchdowns on the road. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it wasn't any better the second time, was it, Brad? No. <laughs> All right, Ken, you got the total. Yeah, I got the total over. I think this game gets in the 80s because I think Texas Tech's going to be able to move up and down the field because they're at home. And Oklahoma right now is a team that's playing just they feel like they can score every time they touch the ball. And Kyler Murray's playing at that rate. Uh, the running game's outstanding. Uh, Brooks and Sermon are great. And then I will, the only thing that has me a little bit leery is that Oklahoma, since they made the move at defense coordinator, they have, uh, held the opponents to under 300 yards the last two games. So that's the only concern, but it's Texas Tech at home with Bowman back at the helm. And so I think this game's going to be, you know, sky high. I think this game will probably get, you know, 45 by halftime and then I'll get it up and over the total. So to me, I think it's important to always remember the players are human and young, obviously, in college. But so are coaches, and especially Lincoln Riley. What is he, 35? Yeah, right around there, 36, I think. And imagine a place where the Stoopses had been. And I mean, think about Norm. You ever been to Norman? No. Is Bob Stoops couldn't go to the grocery store. I mean, think about it. If he went to the grocery store, it would be, you know, streaming on like four different, you know, Twitter accounts or whatever. Is 
him and his brother, Mike, were there. And obviously, Mike had the detour to Arizona. He made a lot of money. Didn't perform great as a head coach, at least the record. And then Lincoln Riley at like 33, a couple years ago, comes in as the head coach. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what your IQ is. That is a, a, a challenge at an emotional level, especially in a place following a legend. Isn't that the old story? Is you don't remember there's a famous story when Spurrier was leaving Florida. You know, Bob Stoops was Spurrier's D coordinator down yep. in Florida. And you know, it was always Bob Stoops was the next because he had won the national title with Leach's OC in what was it, 2001? 2000. Yeah. And 2000 season, 2001 in January. Yep. Okay. So 2001. Now you're right. It, yeah. You should call it by the season. Is and at that point, it was like Bob Stoops and, you know, uh, of all the Stoops as I know Bob the least, but just through the people I know, it was, you don't want to follow Spurrier at Florida. Well, wouldn't the same thing apply to following Bob Stoops at Oklahoma? I agree. And the fact that he's been able, Riley's been able to win, doesn't change the fact that if anything, the Mike Stoops camp was probably like, who's this kid? You know, listen, obviously there's going to be some respect, but there's going to be some, you know, anyone that's been in an office where there's legacy guys and there's new guys and it feels like this team has been liberated, liberated from the legacy and they feel freed up. And you know, those kids don't care much about that legacy that Lincoln Riley is their guy. Yep. So I think it would have been bigger had they held on and beat Georgia last year because that was the knock on Bob Stoops that he could not win the big games. And here's Lincoln Riley. Looks like he's going to win a playoff game, has it under control. And lo and behold, Georgia comes back. But if anything, Ken, that makes the case we're getting liberated from the Stoops is is a, even more important because if he had made his own mark, he wouldn't need that as much. Mm-hmm. Here he still had a lot of success, but not the ultimate success. And now it's like, OK, I got my guys in here. I mean, the team feels to be playing with more energy. Absolutely, and I just think there's better chemistry on that staff. Ruffin McNeil is the interim defense corner. Who was the first hire that Lincoln Riley made when he got promoted? It was Ruffin McNeil, the former East Carolina coach, who was the head coach when Lincoln Texas Riley no, yeah, also, the, hired Lincoln Riley at Texas Tech and also hired Lincoln Riley at offense corner at East Carolina. So there's great chemistry between those two. Yeah, so, and again, I knew that Texas Tech staff quite well, and I've been in Lubbock for a wedding, so I got a chance to get a flavor down there, and it was a long month in Lubbock one weekend, as they say, (laughs) but but Riley, I mean, he was like 23 or whatever, and it was already like, this guy is going to be a head coach. I mean, he was uh, a precocious, you know, he's the only way to, like a chess player, a prodigy in a way, a 15-year-old grandmaster. Last question, and I'm thinking Ken or Brad on this one. You know, back in the day, it was you either ran a conventional offense or you were running running and shooting, as they said, as a verb, right? And there was all the offshoot. Now, almost everyone's spread, but there's, you know, the air raid this and that. If you look at what Tech is doing today, you look at what Oklahoma's doing today, how similar is it offensively? Hmm, between the two right now? I just think, uh, obviously, Oklahoma's got a lot more quarterback run in them than Texas Tech does. I mean, just a, a different player at quarterback in Kyler Murray. So, so like the run pass, the RPO? Yeah, stuff. a lot more RPOs in Oklahoma's Same offense. thing two years, you know, because they had it with Mayfield as well. Yeah. Agreed. So I guess my question, though, is the assumption is when there's an option team against a team that doesn't play the option, we always think, okay, option team advantage. 
If you got two teams that know each other's or at the highest level or the most modern cutting edge offenses, even if there's a variation, doesn't that lend itself to the under where both teams know each other very well? You would think that, and I'm glad you brought that up, but it hasn't been the case. Last seven meetings between these two teams, all seven games over the total. And here's the thing, 54 degrees, no wind. It doesn't get any better than that. I think just, football. just too many possessions, even if the efficiency goes down a little bit. But isn't bit. that built into the total? It is this one. I, I, I disagree with Ken. I would go on. Press the button. No. <laughs> you just Was that a like or a lean? You can't have lean total. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totals are, you know, a like? a total. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I am. <laughs> I love whenever he yeah. second guesses himself. It's No, I didn't second guess myself. Oklahoma's defense improved. Texas Tech's you not just the told same me the team. Last, but the last Texas couple Texas games Tech's have gone the over the total. defense is what they've been recently. They're much improved on that side of the ball this year. Hey, listen, remember, guys, this is the simple way to think of it. All my bets were safe. There just wouldn't be any juice. Sometimes you just got to go. Next game, Cal, Washington State, and we've got Ken likes Washington State. Yeah, I like Wazoo a lot. I had him last week. I was with uh, Haystacks, by the way, who uh, got me a W last week. I appreciated that over Stanford. And, uh, you know, he's lost the game. Hey, look, he let me tell you, Haystacks, when he was sitting there with his overalls and a couple <laughs> cold ones, and, you know, we were just enjoying that game. And, you know, that's the thing. You talk about, uh, you know, some of these coaches, you know, Stoops and whatnot. I think Leach, because you were talking about uh, Lubbock, uh, he's, he's doing his best coaching that I can remember. I mean, it just, this team, I just didn't expect much from. In fact, I had them in the lower echelon of the Pac-12 and not to say that the Pac-12 is a good conference because they're not more than likely get shut out again unless Wazoo can run the table and other people can end up losing a couple times but uh, I just like the way this team's playing they're uh, they use the two backs out of the backfield uh, tremendously they have uh, about 71 receptions between those two guys and then they have three dynamite receivers I just think they're going to outscore Cal and Cal just has a knack to turn it over and I don't think Cal's going to be able to combat the Palouse man I mean it's uh, just a lot of fun up there right now at Wazoo. All right, so right now, best and worst college football point spreads on the year. There's four teams that are seven and one against the spread: Washington State, Virginia, UAB, Fresno State. Six one and one Iowa, Utah State. Flip side: one and seven Louisville, Connecticut, Florida Atlantic. Yeah, and here's why I lean with Washington State. Normally, I'd be concerned because Washington State's off a big home emotional win over Oregon a couple weeks ago, off a big come-from-behind win against Stanford last week, but they have revenge for this one. Last year, Washington State was in the top 10, unbeaten. They traveled to Cal. What happens? Oh, my goodness. Turnover city. Seven turnovers for Washington State. They get crushed by Cal. Revenge and a good home spot here against a Cal team that's off their biggest win. In a long time, they outright upset Washington. I like the situational here for, uh, edge for Washington State. I lean with the Cougars. By the way, I put out every Monday best and worst ATS marks in college on my Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Let me, Fez, uh, what do you got here? You uh, lean, you lean. So why not a like Washington State? They just feel square. Well, the fact that they've just had two big, enormous wins. I'm a situational spot guy. It's very difficult for me to go ahead and and back them here. Here, Here's what I'm saying. This could get in the weeds, so I'm going to make it quick. And and Brad and Ken, again, I hear a lot because just socially, but I'm not an expert at this stuff. When people think about 
Leach are thinking, you know, he's a very smart guy, obviously, and he's very eclectic where Mm -hmm. you hear him talk. He doesn't seem like a coach. And people like that uh, or some people do. And you think complexity, but actually Leach's offense is famous for its simplicity where there's like, you know, and again, I'm explaining this like someone saying in chess, it's like, well, the night goes up two over one is the idea. There's like three different routes. Each person can run and they only have nine plays. And, but if you add, you know, think about Fez, the mathematics of it. Okay. There's nine plays, but there's four different receivers and they all got three options. We'll do the math. There's a lot of different combinations, but it's all being triggered off of these very simple reads. And back in the day, that's why they could go no huddle even before it was common so fast as it was like A, B, or C, each individual, the complexity was in the design itself. The simplicity was at the player level. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I agree 100%. Not only that, RJ, into my handicap, that was part of the simplicity because it's going to rain there in Pullman. And because they used the back so immensely out of the backfield, 76 receptions, two touchdowns there for Williams and Borgie. Little simple passes, kind of like the way the St. Jude's Kamara, I mean, makes a lot of sense. And to me, that approach is less emotional. We talked about mm. Mark Stoops is this is like and, and what would be a little in the weeds and I won't get into it. But for 25 seconds here is, you know, Bob Dylan, I consider the only or, or let's just say a genius in music. And to me, my favorite musician, it's not even close. And. You know, Dylan is famous in the 60s. He went electric and, you know, it's all kind of different, you know, Blonde on Blonde and Highway 61 and the basement tapes, just some of the greatest stuff ever. And then he had like nine years of domesticity. And after that, he was ready to go on the road again. Women weaken legs. And he produced Blood on the Tracks, which a lot of people believe is the greatest rock album of all time and Dylan's greatest album. It's a a heartbreaking breakup album. And he was breaking up with his wife, Sarah at the time. And actually just like November 2nd, they're releasing the bootleg of all of the tapes of blood on the tracks, um, just coming out. And if you're a Dylan fan, check that out. But he had a real dry spell. Now he went Christian. A lot of people know that in between like 79 and 81, we was only playing, Christian music, none of his old stuff. And he was very heartfelt. And then he was lost, like from 80, and again, I'm not going to judge, but from like 82 to 88, he was hardly, you know, he was making a few hours, but he wasn't on the road very much. He was drinking a lot by all accounts. And and think about it, at the time he was in his 40s. So he was having a typical midlife crisis. And at a certain point, he was playing with the dead, like in 86, 87, and the dead were huge at that point. And he was lost and the dad looked at him and they said, dude, you got like, they were like, let's play this song and that song. And Dylan's like, I haven't played that in 30 years. They're like, great, let's play it. And the dad's joy. And a lot of Dylan fans don't like the dad. There's a lot of like, kind of like they're combating each other, but the dad honestly and sincerely invigorated Dylan where he was like, wow. And then he had a great line. He said, you're either a player or you're not. And in this case, he meant a musician and he started in 88, the never ending tour. And he's toured almost a hundred dates. He's had a few that he's been a little short every year since. So this is the 30th anniversary of the never ending tour. He's like in his mid seventies 
late, I think he's 77, and he tours almost 100 dates a year for 30 years. Now think about it, the never-ending tour. And last thing, he talks about he was walking along after a dead rehearsal in San Francisco, and he saw this musician. Now imagine Dylan, it's like mid-afternoon, and he sees a musician playing with like six people in a bar. He walks in and he looks at the guy and it was an old guy and it was like you could tell he was doing it for the love of it. And he said he saw a certain mathematics in the music where for him it was always emotion. He was a very emotional singer and that's why he was so good. Then he understood there's a, a format, a mathematics to it that he had never understood. Now again, Dylan can tell a story, so he might be reverse engineering his narrative, but he wrote this in his autobiography chronicles which is a great read too and he said at that point everything changed for him that he started doing consciously what he used to do unconsciously where it was just inspiration before and then for the next 30 years it was him mathematically doing it and i think that comes around a little bit to leech in the offense if you need to be inspired Right? You're either inspired or you're not. And some of those, like a Kurt Cobain or whatever, you'll see the best show of all time or the worst show of all There's this range. But if you're doing it in a way that is stripped of the emotion, but it's the purity of the math, that is more consistent. Mm. And it just feels like Leach. Think about that record of 10 win seasons he had at Tech. It was like, what was it, like 13 straight that they made a bowl? There was some amazing streak that Tech had that just blew. Yeah, 10 straight bowl games. Okay. And this was before everyone, you know, like, it. and what was his win count in those years? Pretty consistent. I would say it's funny that you say consistency here because if I needed someone to go exactly eight and four, I would pick one coach in America. That would be Mike Leach. And why is he so consistent? Because I think there's a dearth of emotion. Now, I know Washington State had a lot of emotion, the fans and that for that game. But I think this is a team where if you're trying to plot Leach's letdown spots, I think that he has less of them than most teams because it's not about the emotion. Well, that's pretty powerful. I, I, know, I, I, I think, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I do know. <laughs> But half the people are like, that's cool. And half are like, come on, next game. Next game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make you happy. AM, Auburn, Auburn by four at home. And nobody likes this game. So let's start with Ken. I'm just going to lean on Auburn just a little bit just because they're coming off the buy and the point spread's going the other way. I respect AM, but. Again, they're a totally different team away from College Station. Uh, screwed up the game last week. It was a big spot for them. And, uh, you know, just off the bye, I think Auburn going to try and get it together, make a run, get some momentum going into the Iron Bowl against Alabama. Brad? I lean with A&M, and here's the one where, you know, if you're just looking at the box score, A&M got outplayed last week. But did they really, or did it really come down to like three, four plays? Mississippi State made them all, and they weren't even coin flip plays. Mississippi State scored two touchdowns, long touchdowns on third and 10 or greater, and then a, an additional play backed up inside their own 10-yard line. It's third and 20, and Mississippi State gets an 85-yard pass. Those three plays entirely changed the complexion of the game. I don't think A&M was as bad as that final score indicated last week. It's not going to say that in the box score, but if you actually watch the game, and that's why I think there's a little bit of value here on the Aggies plus four. 
question. Who love does Fez love Jimmy G more or Brad and Jimbo Fisher? Ooh. <laughs> that's that's close. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Okay, guys. Here comes again another Malachi Crunch in this corner. Fezzik and Ken Thompson and Brad Powers, either brave or stupid. Let's let Fez start. Oh, what game are we on, RJ? Notre Dame, Northwestern, Notre Dame favored by 10. Oh, 10. I'm on the Irish here. I continue to seem real confident. I'm very confident. (laughs) The Northwestern Wildcats are a serious contender to win the Big Ten West, and they are as fraudulent as they come. Last week, they played Wisconsin. Oh, what's this? Wisconsin's quarterback is out. The backup quarterback played a lousy game. Ineffective. Further, it looks like turnovers are even. Three and three. Well, guess what? It's Northwestern that threw three interceptions. Not as random. It's Wisconsin that lost three fumbles. Completely random. I watched the whole Northwestern-Nebraska game. Northwestern at home got their butts kicked by Nebraska. It was a miracle that they won that game. And now they're playing a legitimate top 10 team in Notre Dame. More than half the crowd is going to be Irish fans. Northwestern's going to lose this game by 14 points. The Irish are the right side. Okay. That's Fezzik, Notre Dame. Ken Thompson, also Notre Dame. Yeah, I agree. As long as Notre Dame doesn't fumble the ball, because it should have some rain there in Evanston as well, which benefits a great running game with Williams and Jones Jr. Look, Book can mix things up. He'll keep it simple. But I think Notre Dame, they, you know, they went through the motions last week in San Diego, beat Navy, didn't cover the big number, but came close to doing it. They're going to be refocused, like Fez says. Look, there's a lot of people from that area that are going to go to Evanston and root for this Notre Dame team, especially an undefeated Notre Dame team. And again, Brad keeps bucking against the team that's his favorite team, and he just can't get it through his head that this team is good enough to get to that playoff. Did they cover the last two weeks? That's all I care about. Well, so wait a minute. Unless I'm mistaken, it was a, a backdoor cover for Navy, right? I mean, they scored. I mean, are we going to count the full game? I mean, they scored a touchdown with, to cut it to 15 with like seven, eight minutes left in the game. Hmm. All right. Notre Dame scored last. So you, is that your handicap? No, it's not my handicap. <laughs> Please Here's begin. why you know, you're going to win with Northwestern here, and I like the Wildcats. There's three main factors here. Number one, Notre Dame traditionally struggles the game after Navy. Why? Navy's option attack, very outlandish type of offense. Sometimes it takes a week to get back in, into your normal routine, and a lot of times Navy doesn't get enough credit for being a physical team. You're kind of banged up after it. You're getting chop blocked the entire game, and Navy's the type of team that doesn't take a playoff. They play a full 60 minutes. Notre Dame, the last 14 years after Navy, the immediate game after, 3-11 and against the spread. Notre Dame under Brian Kelly. Here's another reason why I made the bet against UKen, URJ, UFezic is terrible in the month of November under so Brian you're Kelly. you're going back and just, you're, oh, this is on the idea. Yeah, I of, got three. Three and 14 against the spread last five years in the mo- month of November. Notre Dame gets pricey, especially when they're good. Three of the last but, four. But hold on a second. The bet we made. Yeah. The bet we made. Well, they're going to. Hold on. Can, can I speak? Yeah. Can the host of the show, the owner yes. of the company speak? Yep. 
right. I appreciate it. I mean, it's like, you know, you were going to get beat there. And, and right once I start talking, you like start jumping in. So I can't talk. That's not going to work. There's no secret that the company I built, some call it an empire, is precious to me. All right, Brad. So come on. Nah, nah, all joking. <laughs> I like that. Ah, from Dallas. All joking aside, I was a big J.R. Ewing fan back in the day. I could see when that. I was a little kid, like six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might explain some stuff. But <laughs> our bet is the following: for those that don't know, if Notre Dame loses one game exactly straight up, will they make the playoffs? You gave me and Fest plus four hundred. Yep. It has nothing to do with their ATS results in November. Mm. But they don't look that impressive in the eyes of the committee. I think all this stuff about impressive in the eyes of the committee is 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 a bunch of distraction. Look how impressive Ohio State. They did not win Ohio State last year. And how impressive did they look against Wisconsin? That was like the statement of all statements, right? I mean, they won by 10 or 11. It wasn't I, that big of a statement. I mean, you know, maybe. I mean, maybe... I guess maybe I'm just more pessimistic or not pe- a cynical about the committee. The idea that it's just all about, it just seems like it's always about the money. When the Buckeyes jumped TCU and Baylor the year they won it, there was no logic to that. Remember that? Yep. There was no law. Lo- they jumped two teams ahead of them. It was just like, we'll do whatever is going to keep the narrative. Okay. Until the last week. And then we're going to rearrange these teams in any way we want. And what are you going to say about it? Show me the money, Jerry. <laughs> right or wrong? Yeah. 59 so, nothing helped. What? But still, yeah. it doesn't make sense that, that, that you're jumping. I mean, if they were behind them before, and again, you can say, yeah, that's why they did, it, but they're always going to find a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. So. But all that said, if your point is, oh, yeah, Notre Dame will lose one and they won't be impressive in other games, okay, that's abstract, but I'll accept it. Fair enough. Any other thoughts? If you just blindly bet the dog, Northwestern, last nine games, I don't know, ATS. Last I checked, Northwestern's a dog here. But, uh, come on, did you bet him last week? I did. In the week before? Or or is it just one? Yeah, I did. It's almost the last three, four weeks. Because they were laying at 20 points on the road against Rutgers. It was the largest away favor role for Northwestern in 40 years. They won that game by three against Rutgers. Three. All right. I'm thinking about joining the plus 10 here, actually. I just want to. Plus 10 or minus 10? Plus 10. Oh, wow. I, I Listen, I like yeah. to fade. I mean, I think Notre Dame, especially undefeated, is one of those premium teams you know, it's it's like if you just told me blindly bet this week, I would have said fade Notre Dame. The fact that it looks like we got a good number here. Let me take a look. Yeah, you got a real good number because prior to the show is nine and a half. Oh, so Ken's fear is coming out. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not supposed to it, get good numbers. It's supposed to get no, a market it, number. You know what? No, no, but no, that, no. It Listen. just shows me that the Sharps are agreeing with us that it's got because the public's not on this game yet. So the line went from nine Sharps and a half to ten. ten. No, they're not. They're not. So they pushed 10. it up to ten. Uh, hold on. Let's not they, debate the, the screen. All right. The line is 10 right here. And because of Ken's fear. <laughs> no, wait, was that a $400 bet? I guess it's two on one, right? They're both another day. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll double do it. All right. So what we have here, no Malachi crunch. It's Brad has all the college knowledge and RJ on Notre Dame plus, or I'm sorry, on the dog plus 10. Fez minus 10, 
Ken minus 10. You feeling good, Brad? Oh, I'm feeling excellent, especially at that 10. I mean, I liked it at a, a cheaper number. I'll, I'll text you guys when it closes 11 right before it kicks off. How's that been going for you, Fez? Maybe this is, <laughs> maybe this is the time for Fez to address the... Now, listen, there was actually something we should address in general. I, I didn't look at every game, but we had a bad week with best bets, apparently. I mean, I don't give best bets in college. I won't take any culpability. But was it generally a bad week? Is that uh, fair to I, say? I lost Purdue, yes. Brad, how'd you do? I won my best bet. Iowa State, eight consecutive winners. Mackie, we got the numbers? You want to grab them and we'll look at them real quick? I faded Northwestern last week. That didn't work out well with out Wisconsin's quarterback, which I was unaware of when I made the bet. So what's the pertinence of this? None. Just want to tell you? You want to tell us where you bought your shoes or anything else? I got to take the duct tape off. To see. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. So here's the thing, though, Fez. If you look at your numbers here, you're down on the season 650 bucks. Right now, people might say, wait a minute. He has a mansion and a yacht. But you're down the most. How how do you explain that? Well, it's a selective sample overall on all my plays. I've done quite well. I'm having so, a great football season. So how's your fo- how's your college season? I don't have the exact numbers, but it's but you been, know it's great. Yeah, the, the the I will get back to you when tonight. Tonight. So how is the listeners in the pod going to benefit? They're not going to benefit. All right. So why don't we do this? This this obviously not planned. Um, probably just a little hint. Probably should come in the pods with your updated numbers. Yeah, be probably a good idea. But we can look at the pod. We got the mayor came in. All right. So it looks like we were one and three. So Wisconsin lost from Fez. Uh, Ken lost with Purdue. Brad won with Iowa State. And then um, uh, Esler must have lost. We don't have the exact one here, but Esler must have lost. So we got his best bet coming. But if you look on the season, oh, wow, I didn't know this. This is good. 19 and 10. So listen, guys, if you're 19 and 10 on the season and after a one and before that, let's think about it, you're 18 and seven on the season. And then you go one and three and you're tweeting in. I'm thinking about not listening to the pod anymore. I suggest you don't. Okay. If you're listening now, turn it off. Goodbye. All right. And even if we were, you know, break even on the year, right? If all you're doing is playing the best bats, you're not even hearing this. Just go to the end, listen to the best bats. That's fine. But this is about trying to win. But listen, over any 29 games, over any 129 games, you're going to have randomness. And if you listen to these guys and think they don't know what they're talking about, fine. Go find, you know, go listen to the pod they know, right? And if you don't think they know, why should you listen? But if you think they know, don't let the vagaries of. So, Ken, you had actually all your picks didn't have a great week, right? No. And yeah. you had a lot, you had a good many people, I mean, like a, almost a, a record number step up with our offer last week. So you were what coming into that? I was uh, 15, two and three documented. This is document. Yeah. Documented. And you went, Oh, and three. Oh, and three. All right. and, and, and all three games were right there. They were all looked like they were going to win it at, at in the second half coin on all flip. three of them. Yeah. Off coin flip games and, and end up losing all three. And listen, that's listen. I, listen, I can promise you as a batter, you're following someone, you're thinking of getting involved, you get involved. They go in Oh, and three. It sucks, right? And and I think that's probably driving Ken putting the extra effort in even this week. But remember, it's all the long game. And if you're if you're making where any one game swinging you too much, you're batting too much. 
And if that means you can't get Ken's package or anyone's, don't get it. Don't bet more than you're comfortable with. And what comfortable is, you should be able to lose. I mean, Fez, I mean, the old Kelly criterion, it's not old Kelly, but the classic Kelly criterion, that is so fantasy. Most people are betting out of their pocket. To me, I think the way to think about it is, if you lost 10 units, and I'm saying a unit of bet, right? You might bet a little bit more, 1.2 or 1.3. But in general, let's say you're betting about the same amount, right? So I bet usually, uh, you know, I'll vary my amount maybe 20% on the upside if I really like a game. Otherwise, I'm going, but I'm pretty selective. So I'm not playing a lot of volume. I'm either playing the an amount or 120% of that. But there's all kind of different theories on that. But in my mind, if you can't lose 10 units without real problems, you're betting too much. If you're betting a hundred bucks and if you lose it, listen, no one wants to lose a thousand if you're betting a hundred, but if you lose a thousand and it's like, oh my gosh, where am I going to get the money? You're betting too much. And maybe that's, that's not the Kelly criterion. That's not, but it's saying, can you stand a 10 unit swing? You got to be able to stand that, if not a 20, wouldn't you say, Fez? I wouldn't. I want to make an important distinction. The Kelly criterion is for professional gamblers that have $10,000, hopefully more. They have a hundred. They're playing from a set bankroll. Set bankroll, $100,000. This is how they make their money, RJ. They cannot lose it all. So 2% of a $100,000 bankroll, $2,000 should be their bread and butter betting amount. The average guy who's betting doesn't need a bankroll because he doesn't say. Well, hold, hold on, because that sounds bad by itself. So let's make sure that we explain that very so, clearly. So the average guy has $10,000 in his savings account. <gasps> I want to go play Rio Seiko with my son. It's going to cost us $300. Oh, wow. Does the Kelly criterion allow me to do that? Yes, because you've got your paycheck. You've got your budget. You've got $500 to $1,000 in maybe entertainment for that month that you can go ahead and decide where to spend it. So you can go ahead and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to bet $100 a game. And worst case scenario, maybe I'm going to drop 10 units in a month. I can lose $1,000. It's if it happens, it's unfortunate, but it goes into entertainment. And now maybe I don't play Rio Seiko this month. Maybe we go to the putt-putt course. <laughs> so, but I think there's a middle ground that now is not the time for. There's the recreational. There's the pros. And then there's the guys that's taking it real seriously, but they're not yet pros. And how they do it is something I don't think I've heard a good uh, description of or suggestion for and i think it's something we got to work on in the off season like but in general think protect you know uh it's kind of funny to say because i used to quote um the art of the deal and it wasn't political now it's political but again obviously the art of the deal was a book a lot of people respect i read it when i was a kid is protect the downside the upside takes care of itself is one of the quotes from the art of the deal i do believe think about the downside and betting you know, ruin as the Kelly criterion talks about. And then worst case, if you are setting yourself up not to have that ruin, then everything out, maybe if you get lucky, you win, you're going to win less, but boy, protecting that disaster is, but you know, if you're going to win and say, Oh, I'm so mad. I won 4,000 bucks, but I would have won 6,000 if I was batting more. Okay. Sounds like an, an okay problem versus, Oh my gosh, I had to sell my car. Right. So understand, it doesn't matter if it's Fezzik or whatever. I mean, Fez, you have everybody, but you have times you've lost seven bets in a row. Oh, right? easily. What's it? Can you remember the most you've ever lost? Uh, 10. So you've never lost 11. 
you know, there was one account I had. So, no, no, but I'm saying just individual bets. Right. I remember specifically 10. I don't remember losing 11. Now, think about that. This is a guy, all joking aside, has not a straight job for almost 20 years, and he's lost 10 in a row. You're not going to hear most shows talk about this, but that's the reality. And, oh, by the way, if you're 19 and 10, we shouldn't even have to say it, but it was a good example. We went one and three, and some people are freaking out. We're 19 and 10, and this is in front of the world and there's no reason you haven't been listening all year. Hey, if you came on just last week, trust that we were mighty good beforehand. RJ, and, real quick on on pregame, I think about four years ago, I had my best college basketball season and cruised through middle of March. I think I lost like eight games in a row and it was 0-6 on a, on a weekend. I was just like, what the heck? How can you be you know close to 60% all year with all these games and then hit that? And Fez actually talked to me and said, hey, don't worry about it. Just do what you do. Keep playing. And I finished up strong. I hit seven of my last eight. And that's the trick. If someone lets an inevitable swing affect the way they approach it, a blackjack table is always dealing the same way, right? Roulette table. If you let the emotion swing your approach, either if you're following other people or it's your own picks, that's where the losing can really hurt you. If you stay consistent or as uh, someone once said on ballers, don't deviate Mm, wonder who that was. <laughs> Probably some truth there. All right. So we got our bets. Me and Brad versus Ken. Me and Brad on one side and Fez and Ken on. Oh, here's the big one. LSU, Alabama. And we have a double like. Let's start with Ken. Ken, you like? I like LSU. I uh, Now, RJ, tell me what line you have there. Uh, 14 and a half. Okay, good. I was just hoping that the hook was still there. So, uh, you know, and that, that that's part of the deal there is that I just feel the way that the crowd was for the Georgia game, that was one thing. That was 2.30 in the afternoon, LSU time. It's a night game in Baton Rouge. And, you know, both teams off a of bye. Look, Tua Tagovailoa has been incredible, and they protect him well. But have they really been punched in the mouth by anybody that's pressured Tua? No. I think LSU is a team that can bring some pressure. You bring some pressure, you get in his face, maybe you can make a mistake or two. Look, Burrow's a smart quarterback. He's savvy. I know he transferred from Ohio State, RJ, so maybe not as smart as he would be if he graduated <laughs> there in Columbus. But nonetheless, he's got that football savviness and really like the way that he played against Georgia. And the way that they came off the loss against the Gators in Gainesville and picked it right up, almost like we were just talking about a losing streak, get back on the horse. Look, Baton Rouge, again, we talked about that it could be a three-game scenario to change the landscape of LSU football. Two-thirds are done. The win over Georgia, the win over Mississippi State, by week. Now, if you knock off Bama, like I said, Orgeron, just give him a 10-year contract because he'll get it. I think they're going to be ready. I'm not guaranteeing they win this game. I'd like to sprinkle a little on the money line because college football is still a game with emotion. And until somebody punches Alabama in the mouth, they're still the best. But shoot, I remember Leon Spinks beat Muhammad Ali at a 7-1 to dog. So what the heck? I'm on LSU. I'll take the 14 and a half. I hope they win the game. Brad, you also like LSU. Yeah, and I think we can all agree. I mean, at least Vegas agrees because every single week, Alabama's laying an historical line. Another one here, no top four team ever, ever at home has been getting more than 10.5 points at home. Largest home underdog role ever for a top four team. And to me, it's all about, yeah, okay, Alabama's historically great, but I'll tell you one thing, they haven't played a historically great schedule 
In my power ratings, Alabama has played two top 50 teams, only two in the top 50. Contrast that with LSU, who's played five in the top 30. I just, I mean, I've seen LSU more battle tested. I'm getting more than two touchdowns here. Give me the Tigers at home plus four. Last thing, RJ, I just want to drop in. Uh, rated by McShay and Kuyper, the two best defensive players on the field are both from LSU, Greedy Williams and Devin White. Unfortunately for LSU, Devin White suspended the first half for targeting. So, again, we know Bama's got a great first half track record. I would probably look at Bama first half before game if I were going to do it. So I don't like that. And here's why. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I heard Bon. Uh, Nick Bondanovich on the local radio here talking about how this Bama first half is getting momentum like he's never seen. And I think we predicted it right once it started getting any attention, bet it early because the bookmakers wouldn't necessarily be pricing it, but the market would move it. Well, it looks like the bookmakers are pricing it, but the whole logic is, Hey, they're going to get a big enough lead that they don't care in the second half. When you're only, only quote unquote lane 14 and a half, it seems like that phenomenon's gone, but a lot of betters aren't going to realize the difference. And I'm guessing there's a premium on this, whereas there shouldn't be. I totally agree with that. And there's going to be an extra premium because the big storyline is LSU's best defensive players out for the first half. So that's going to even feed into it. I would agree with Ken. If Ken's saying I value that defensive player more than the market and I want to get exposure. You know, if I'm looking to play Bam, I want to play them in a spot where he's gone. That's fine. But there's this external factor of what's the record right now for Bama first half, second half? Eight and zero against the spread first half, one and seven half timeline going against Alabama. Well, remember, we're making an assumption that the market is going to have a significant bias. Let's see what that well, bias did, did actually is. Did they have is. it last week, Brad? They've had it. It was shaded probably an extra point, point and a half in their last game against Tennessee. And then the betters took it another point and a half. I would say it was an extra three points. Well, what are we waiting for, Fez? Well, there's no first half lines up right now. No, but what I'm saying is if it's three points last week, it seems like the market, and Bondanovich says he expects uh, Bama to get up to nine and a half in the first half is what he's saying. And those are fairly dead numbers. No numbers dead in the first half, but 14.3 point favorite. You expect eight, eight point first half numbers. So judge for yourself. Let's see what actually gets dealt. If you do like Alabama, but if it's in the nine first and a half, that's, that's a pretty significant. Right, right, right. right. I mean, that, so, that's, I mean, let's not act like a point and a half doesn't matter. I, I would bet it opens eight. It, then it gets taken. The odds makers well, open I mean, based is, on the chart. You know, we go through this on all the production, all these hypotheticals. Unless you want to, you want to, that's interesting. So, Eight? Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Let's think uh, of what the bet is. Oh, wait. Fez is already backing out. You want to back off and save time? No. The first book that opens, it'll open at eight based on their chart. Okay. So that's it. The world hmm. opener in the first half, if it's above, if it's eight or below, Fez wins and you are willing to bet 200 on that prop. Oh, yes. I'll, I'll take that. Who opens first has first? Mm, maybe that's something. That's where maybe Fez has his edge. I, I'm guessing bookmaker, but I'm really not certain. Why don't we let the bookmaker book dictate? Would you rather that, Brad? Yeah. You you, you up for that, Fez? Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, I'll bet it too. I'm on Brad's side. Mm, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> you got that, Mac? All right. Oh, by the way, we got some Dave Esler. On this game, and Fez has a total, then best bets. Wowza. Let's hear Asler. Everybody's big game this week, LSU, Alabama. And I want to talk a little bit about the premium you pay to bet on Alabama. Evidence right here. Last three years, Alabama 
is 22-1 and one in the SEC, 12-11 and 11 against the spread. I'm going to play with fire here for two reasons. Number one, strength of schedule. LSU's played the second toughest schedule in the nation. They played five ranked teams. They're ranked fourth. They beat Georgia here by 20. By contrast, the best team Alabama's played, Texas A&M. We thought they were good till they went to Mississippi State last week. Secondly, the defenses. LSU's pass defense is only allowing 148 yards per game the last three games, and they're sixth in takeaways. Alabama's defense, well, I look at that, they haven't had to play defense yet. If LSU wins this game, they're actually in control of the SEC West, and we're having another one of those, but you didn't win your conference championship arguments again. So I think the Alabama premium, laying two scores, it's too much to a team that's had one double-digit loss at home in a decade, like LSU, plus 14. Now 14 and a half. Quick question, Fez. If this was a normal 14 and a half game with no other factors, what do you think the halftime opens at? First half would be eight. Okay. Well, we got it here, Ken. Yeah. Right? Because there's two things. One, it's all this talk of Bama. And number two, in the first, and number two, LSU's guys out the front. Yeah. This is crazy. The only thing that scares me if this line draws before it opens. But I got a feeling they'll open this earlier because it's such a big game. Mm, good call there. You feeling? You're feeling a little. I think it will drop to fourteen, and four, <laughs> the, the number on a fourteen is only like seven and a half for the. Oh, see, Fez is thinking no, next level. Wow. But what? But did you think when this line's when is this halftime going to open? I think. Probably not till Friday night, Saturday morning. No, Thursday. going up. No. I'll take that bet too. Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last thing. Oh, Fez, you've got the total. You like under 53. Yeah, all about series history. LSU always plays this game close to the vest. And Alabama, frankly, like we saw with New England Buffalo, they're just happy to get out with the win when these two teams play. Nine of the last 10 times these two teams have played the total points scored has been under 49 points and the recent history is extreme 34 points and 10 points the last two meetings combined points best bet coming up from brad fez ken and asler that's it four games four best bets one live commercial break a new sponsor and and by the way guys on my twitter at rj in vegas i tweeted out last week we had Two million podcast listens in the last month. Now think about that. Two shows a week only. So eight shows, two million plus listens. You guys are keeping us growing and we so appreciate it. And please continue. We got some real goals and the more of you out there we got, Obviously, it makes sense, as we said, to do the show with uh, more energy, more production. We got video right around the corner. Sleepy Jay promises it's his personal commitment to you and Mackie, the mayor. And, the you know, mayors, politicians don't lie. Oh, wait. But <laughs> the fact is, if all you just just think, if all you just find one fan, if each of you just finds one, if that's your thank you to us, we double. Because once you listen to the Dream Preview, some most people love it, some hate it, but almost everyone, once they try it, they do listen. New sponsor, Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 channels, TV channels, and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up. 
to watch free. It's easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere you stream. That's Pluto TV, new sponsor of the Dream Preview. It's college football season. And remember, that little extra exaggeration makes every story more interessante. Like Dos Equis, the only beer that fills every college football. The only beer to have its number retired. The taste that led former president Ben Franklin to tear down a goalpost. And the inspiration behind Steve Spurrier's nickname, the head beer coach. But most importantly, remember to keep it in Terrasante this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. Drink Dos Equis responsibly. 2018 copyright imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. And finally, our old buddies at True Car. Hey there, diehards. Here are some football facts you might not even know about. The first football game was played in 1869. In an average game, the ball typically is in play for only 11 minutes. And finally, pizza consumption rates go up. Oh, do they? During the week of the big game. Okay, you probably knew that last one. Well, here's another fact you might not know that's actually really useful, especially if you plan on tailgating. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars with their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid. So they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new car or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. If it's available in yours, take advantage. Ooh, dog. Best bets down the home stretch. I tell you, are we sure it's not even open yet, Brian? I might be open now. I just time. looked. I, looked. <laughs> I was going to take advantage of him. The dirtiest oh. player in the game taught me well. Hey, listen, if you can take advantage of Faz, go for <laughs> it. All right, it's time. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. West Virginia, Texas. Let's keep with Esler. By the way, like we said, didn't win last week, but he's been red hot. Follow him on Twitter. Just sample what he's doing. At Dave underscore Esler, E-S-S-L-E-R. Best bet is on West Virginia, Texas. Right now we got Texas favored by one and a half. Best bet this week, Texas over West Virginia. Every year, West Virginia's in this position with a chance. And every year, they end up playing in a secondary ball game. To me, it's coaching, and Holgerson is overrated. I look back, his first year at West Virginia, 10-3 and three in 
the Big East. Since then, he's 49 and 35, continuously beats the lesser teams, can't get it done against ranked teams. Last time they left Morgantown, Iowa State killed them. Last year, they played six ranked teams, lost to four, and covered against zero. On the other hand, Texas has played and beaten three ranked teams this season, and they're undefeated at home. The Mountaineers as an underdog the last three years are 0-7. I think by the time the sun sets Saturday, they'll be 0-8 as an underdog. Best bet, the Texas Longhorns. Best bet from Dave Esler. Brad, you lean the same way. I do, and some hidden value, I think, on Texas here. Last week against Oklahoma State, Texas was crushed in the first half, outscored 31-14. A lot of it had to do with their quarterback for Texas, Sam Ellinger. Was a little rusty coming off a shoulder injury. Five out of 15 in the first half, but looked the part in the second half once he got in the flow of the game. Texas nearly came all the way back and won that game outright. I think there's some value here on the horns. I lean with them minus two. Ken, you lean the other way. Yeah, the reason I lean the other way is first off, 63 degrees, no wind. Will Greer has three of the best receivers on any one team in Sims, Sills the fifth, and Jennings Jr. And here's the thing, as great a, as, as much trouble as maybe Holgerson's had, what about Herman? I mean, here's a guy that controls his destiny to get to the playoff, possibly, if they run the table. And they go into Stillwater and lay an egg in the first half. Yeah, they made a nice comeback. What are you doing getting down 20-some-odd points to Oklahoma State? That's crazy in a game you have to win. This is the same Oklahoma State team that lost to Kansas State by double digits. I mean, badly. So, Herman, to me, has really, you know, not exceeded expectations there. And, yeah, maybe at home. The crowd gets up for it, but I think Will Greer's got three great receivers. I think this West Virginia team, the offense is so good and the weather's so perfect that Texas, the dream crusher, knowing they're not going to the playoff now, despite even if they win the Big 12, they're not going to go with two losses. I think that's a, a psychological thing, and that's why I lean West Virginia. But being at home in Austin, the only reason I'm not on it. Boy, Fez, this, this Texas loss last week helps us on that Notre Dame bet, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, everyone's going to wind up with two losses. Brad's going to be rooting for the Irish to run the table and go 12-0 <laughs> and 0 so he doesn't have to pay up. <laughs> All right, we're going to let Ken jump in because he's got his local radio show here uh, on a 50,000 watt. It, it reaches 27 states at night, seven, <laughs> 7 to 9 Pacific time, uh, Sports X Radio. His best bet is Colorado-Arizona game. We've got Arizona favored by three and a half. Yeah, I like Arizona because the first time I saw Khalil Tate, he looked like he was healthy. He looked like the guy that I saw last year. And he also got J.J. Taylor, 212 yards on the ground. Look, it's one game, but it's a similar scenario. They're back home in Tucson. It's a night game. And Colorado, look, as much as I like McIntyre, without... (laughs) <laughs> Chenault. And even if he comes back, he's not going to be close to 100% with the toe injury. He's still listed as questionable now. He's missed the last two games. That's the all-everything receiver for Colorado. I watch Colorado go into USC and again, a bad USC team this year and just get out class. So, you know, when Colorado shows me they can win on the road, I'll believe it, but I'll take Arizona and lay the three and a half because now Sumlin has something to build on now that he's got Tate healthy and a nice running game from J.J. Taylor. I think that Arizona takes care of business by a touchdown or better. Agree, disagree, Brad. Yeah, I agree with it. Uh, Colorado, how do you pick yourself up after blowing a four-touchdown lead in the second half last week? Now there's concerns. To Oregon State, no less. Yeah, uh, against the worst team in the Pac-12. I think uh, some people might consider, hey, it's bounce back. I don't. That was almost like a dream crusher for Colorado. I like Arizona as well. I saw the Oregon-Arizona game 
last week. I watched most of it, in fact, and a rare case where you've got a nine-point favorite in Oregon, and as you're watching it, the eye test says, well, they got the spread right. They just got the wrong team favorite. There was never a question in my eyes that Arizona was going to win that game and win big. I bet the halftime, the marketplace is not recognizing that this is a totally different Arizona team right now than they were when Tate was injured back in September. Ken, thank you so much. We'll let you run. So you yeah, I, well, I got, I got, I got a five-minute chat. Awesome. I get to get because I know Fezzi's on uh, or somebody's on uh, Penn State. A bunch of these guys are on Penn State. I think I'm getting Malachi crunched here. Oh, okay. Well, let's get to it. I forgot about that. So next game. All right. Where is this? So this is Fez. Fez, you're, I'm seeing Nebraska, Ohio State. That's going to be my best bet. And I'm seeing Law Tech, Mississippi State. We got a yeah. Penn State Michigan game also. Okay, so that got right. lost in the shuffle. So that I was wondering where the third Malachi. So let's get to that. Let's do in the middle of the best bets. We'll have a little interlude. Brad, you take the lead here and host. Who's, mm. who's who should go first? I think the person that's maybe possibly getting Malachi crunched. Let's go ahead with Ken Thompson, who's got to leave out of here. Ken, who do you like? Michigan, a ten-point favorite against Penn State. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I like Michigan at home. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna take a shot here with Michigan at home, and uh, reason being is it, it's going to be close for a long time. But they're going to get that score at the end, and it's gonna, they're going to put them away just like they did with Michigan State. Look, that twenty-one-seven score in East Lansing, rather deceiving. But isn't that the same Michigan State team that went to Happy Valley and beat Penn State? Same team that beat Penn State last year. I mean, to me, Penn State is an underachiever. I love McSorley. He He's a gamer. He's a guy that really, you know, innovates plays and, and, and creates stuff off the, off the, uh, you know, off the go. But at the end of the day, this Michigan team's gaining momentum, and they know if they don't look ahead to Ohio State now, they just take one game at a time. That even though Harbaugh smells, he's going to get the W by double digits in this game. <laughs> now wait a minute. Ken likes Michigan. Fez likes Michigan. You lean Michigan. Where's yeah. the Malachi Crunch? Oh, where was the third Malachi Crunch? I don't know. We got lost. Does Astler have I'll sound? Look through, I'll look through it. Astler does have sound on this one, but we wouldn't have counted that. So let's go to Fez. You like Michigan, too. I do. I think that the Penn State win against Iowa was somewhat fraudulent. I watched the whole game. Could have gone either way. And frankly, I just think the Penn State team is way down. And Michigan is the real deal. I backed Michigan laying the points against Wisconsin. I see the exact same thing happen. The public feels that these two teams are not that far apart within a touchdown. I totally disagree. Michigan's a clear-cut top five team facing a team that doesn't even belong in the top 25, and Harbaugh loves to murder people. Michigan rolls. Let's see what Ashler has to say. To the Big Ten we go. Michigan and Penn State. I don't like laying double digits, but I'm going to. President set since conference play. Michigan wins at home by 46, 21, and 25. And Michigan's only loss this year to Notre Dame looks a whole lot better now than it did in September. The situation, you think, well, let down after Sparty, they're off a bye. Penn State can't say that. They just played a 60-minute game against a very physical Iowa team. Michigan's defense allows 220 yards per game, by far number one in the nation. On offense, they're converting almost half, 50% of their third downs. The only way Penn State stays in this game is turnovers, Patterson's thrown three picks this year, but only one since conference play started. Last year, Penn State routed them. Michigan's ready. Michigan's 17-2 and two at home the last three seasons. They make it 18-2 and two at home this week and take another step towards a possible playoff rematch with the Irish. Okay, so everyone 
on Michigan. You only lean that way, Brad. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I should have maybe liked that. I just don't, don't feel like laying 10 points in a big game here. So but, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because my question is always, does the defense against Michigan have the speed to contain the, mm. the, the mobile quarterback of Michigan? It's suspect to say. Okay, so that Penn State. It, okay, and, and, I, and not necessarily speed, but how much energy does Penn State's defense have left? This is a team for the first time since 1894, not 1994. 1894 off four straight games decided by six points or less. That being Penn State, first time since 1894 as far as their history goes. And meanwhile, you got a fresh Michigan team ready to go off a bye with revenge. What the hell? You can increase me to a like here. I'll take the Wolverines minus 10. A quadruple like. Yeah, there was only two Malachi crunches. I don't know. So I just went through all the sheets. Oh, last thing about Harbaugh. He smells. Okay. <laughs> it's true. Two games left. Fez, best bet. Ohio State. Right now, favored by 18 against Nebraska. Like I like best bet, Nebraska plus the 18. It's all about Nebraska starting the season. Oh, and six, RJ. They smelled for most of the year. The buy signal is blinking. It started when they played Northwestern. They completely outplayed Northwestern. They should have won that game. Somehow they lost it. Then they crushed Minnesota. They had a cakewalk against Bethany Cookman last week. But the bottom line is, is that the marketplace is overreacting to things like them losing to Troy. Troy! Early in the year when Martinez, their quarterback, was out. Now Martinez is back. He's healthy. And frankly, it is the most rare case where you've got a team with only a couple of wins against a team with only one loss where I actually see these two teams going in opposite directions and the buy signal on Nebraska. So if Ohio State wins out, do they make the playoffs, you think? Yes. So, And you're saying they're not motivated? Oh, they're motivated. So I'm confused. I think Nebraska is motivated to run the table and save the season. And this is their game circled game of the year. Mm. Mm. Sounds like that Kentucky analysis we were talking about. Ken, you you made a face like good point. You lean Buckeyes. Oh, yeah, I lean Buckeyes. No, I, you, you made a good point there. And to me, they've got a lot of motivation. You're coming off a bye. I mean, they're going to be refocused. They're at home. Nebraska, yeah, the pressure's off Scott Frost. He won a game. That's great. But Ohio State still got something to play for. I mean, it, the stakes are high, and you know Mac is out, one of their good receivers. But at the end of the day, you know I still think Ohio State wins the game. Line is going the other way a little bit, and if it was uh, under seventeen, I'd probably take the Buckeyes. But I'm leaning Ohio State. Brad, you lean Buckeyes. I lean Buckeyes, and to me, it's just all about Urban Meyer. I, we can question what his state is physically, but so today, Tuesday taping, there was some news announcement about a, a, a assist. Yeah, assist. Uh, on his brain, yeah. Right. So it doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. But here's what I do know about Urban Meyer: with extra time to prep in his entire coaching career, we're talking season openers, bowl games, and off a of bye in the regular season. Thirty-seven, thirteen, and one. Not straight up against the spread. Seventy-four percent. Plenty to play for. Still left for the Buckeyes. What happened after they got crushed by Iowa last year? Ohio State played their best game of the season. Crushed Michigan State by forty-five points, laying so, like so two it's touchdowns. Got a bye and off a loss. Exactly. Max motivated Ohio State covers the spread here. I lean with the Buckeyes. So why not press the green button? Because I'm worried about Urban Meyer's health. And two significant things that I don't know if you fix over a bye week. 
Buckeyes can't run the ball. They're not playing Michigan. They're playing Purdue and Minnesota and only running for 85 yards in both games. And on the flip side, what's been a problem all year, regardless of opponent, whether it's Penn State or Oregon State, that defense is bottom five in the country and allowing big plays. So what's the look ahead Ohio State-Michigan? Last, mm, That's a good call. We can look La- at- last I saw was Ohio State favored by two and a half. All right, so it's below three. So say Michigan's the better team. Yep. Interesting. All right. So we got Brad's best bet. That's it. One game left. By the way, NFL tomorrow. Remember, subscribe. You get it all immediately. And Fez, I don't, are the records up on the super the the gold yet? I have not checked yet. They uh, may uh, be up, RJ. It's time to check. By my calculations, we're a half game out of first. Let's do it for seven hundred k. We're about what sixty eight, sixty seven percent on the year. Five picks a week, sixty-seven percent. Half an NFL season. Never had a losing I, I week. Ha- haven't had a losing week. I don't think I've really heated up yet, to be honest. Oh, I think our best works <laughs> ahead of us. That's what I'm thinking. All, and Wait, you know what'd be fun is if we won this thing by like three games. And like the last, I like week, that. Like if we were up, it by doesn't six, have to be close. How great would it be if we were up by six and we just didn't put an entry in the last mm. week? Secretariat action. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Nah, I'd still go for the slaughter. <laughs> yeah, but we maybe just go there. And flip no, that's coins. the best. Mathematically like, eliminate everybody else. They do a stream of us flipping <laughs> coins and making our last picks. And for all the listeners out there, like around week three, <laughs> RJ would t- send me a text like, "Oh, what are you what What are you looking at, Fez?" And then I wouldn't hear anything. There'd be a delay. And it's like, okay, we're going to go with these. Now, suddenly there's like multiple texts, questions, injury report updates being requested by RJ on late Friday night. You know what's funny? I mean, I, every almost not everyone had him, but, but we were in a good spot in that 49er. In hindsight, I don't like that pick, not just because it lost, but uh, we were in a good spot. They're minus 450 to win with three minutes to play. <sighs> That five and zero oh would have <laughs> taken the lead with a five and zero. Oh. I don't know if we would have taken the lead. The other guys may yeah, have taken it too, though. That's true. All right. So by the way, tomorrow we will be making three of our picks, the first three picks of the NFL Pod that is going to be right there in the most prestigious contest, probably in the history of contest. Five thousand entry with hundred plus people. I have to feel so. Yes. I like it. Brad, best bet. We're going to go off the board here a little bit. Louisiana Tech plus 23 against Mississippi State. To me, great spot for Louisiana Tech because they're catching Mississippi State off a game against LSU, off a game, a big home win for Mississippi State against A&M. And who's on deck? Alabama. Can you say flat spot here, especially laying three touchdowns plus? Let's talk line value. Just a few weeks ago, Louisiana Tech was getting 19 and a half points at LSU. Louisiana Tech covered that spot. And now against an inferior Mississippi State team, they're getting an extra three and a half points. Louisiana Tech's in their preferred role under their head coach, Skip Holtz, who's a lot like his dad in that underdog role, 21 and seven against the spread as a road dog. Love the spot, especially get more than three touchdowns. Louisiana Tech plus 23, best bet of the week. It's official. We are a half game out. We have 26 points. We are 24, 12, and 4. We shot those key numbers fast. <laughs> and uh, there's uh, 26 and a half is leading the way. Oh, man. This is going to be fun, Ken. I'm telling you, man. Let's finish just, this thing. I, hey, I'm we're going to have we're gonna have a setback, right? Let's just let's keep our energy up. No. You don't think? I don't well, think you, so. you happen to win too, Fez, against even more competitors. You had losing weeks, right? Yes. 
But we haven't you know had what, a losing week yet. You know what's we night? haven't had a 5-0. and oh. I bet we're the only ones in this that haven't had a 5-0. and oh. You know what I really like about this is one year when I won, I had five ties, and that was almost the most ties of anybody in the contest. And, and the fact that we already have four ties that we've gotten half points on games right around the number. You're the same as the Cleveland time. Browns. You have four ties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, right angle sports is behind us a little bit. Yeah, interesting. All right, boys, anything? But he's going to so go Brad, with the total showing for up, his best You showing bet. up for NFL tomorrow? I believe so. 90% sure. believe so. 90% sure. <laughs> what, do you got to ask your girlfriend if you're loud? Yeah. Is that it, really? It's an anniversary. <laughs> an anniversary of what? I'll see you in two weeks, Brad. No, <laughs> it is an anniversary. It is. Yeah. All right, just skip it. Yeah. Go to Reno. Right, you'll be back in two weeks. But, yeah, but, <laughs> we, hey, Tomorrow, though, remember, guys, we're going to go. It is Halloween. We're taping. So we're going to do an hour. It's going to be a clean. This one was a little longer for you. A clean hour 15 tomorrow. Picks, picks, and picks. We'll save the stories. Follow me on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.